0: Hello, Skylet listeners. We have a special surprise for you. Next month, acclaimed author Marlon James will be headlining our author talk series. And to celebrate, he gave us some signed copies of his new book, Moon Witch Spider King, the second book in his Dark Star trilogy, just for our podcast listeners. The first 50 people to pre-order will receive a signed copy. Make sure to add the phrase Moon Witch Red in the order comments before checkout. That's Moon Witch Red. Signed copies are available while supplies last, and this exclusive offer ends Wednesday, February 9th.
1: Happy reading! You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast, where an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by Resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Skylight Books Crowdcast channel. We are so excited to welcome you to Jamie Attenberg's final event for her tour, celebrating I Came All This Way to Meet You, her new memoir, and she'll be in conversation with Patricia Lockwood. My name is Natalie, and I'm the Assistant Events Manager at Skylight Books, and I will be your host this evening. Jamie Attenberg has written about food, travel, books, relationships, and urban life for the New York Times Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, The Sunday Times, Slate, and others. All This Could Be Yours was published in 2019 by HMH Books and Serpent's Tale in the UK, as well as in Italy, Germany, China, and Brazil. Her work has been published in a total of 16 languages. Her debut collection of stories, Instant Love, was published in 2006, followed by the novels The Kept Man and The Meeting Season. Her fourth book, The Middle Steens, was published in October 2012. It appeared on the New York Times bestseller list and was published in 10 countries in 2013. It was also a finalist for both the Los Angeles Times Book Prize for Fiction and the St. Francis College Literary Prize. A fifth book, St. Maisie, was published in 2015 and has been optioned by Fable Pictures. Her sixth book, All Grown Up, was published in 2017 and was a national bestseller, appearing on numerous year-end lists. Patricia Lockwood is the author of a novel, No One Is Talking About This, finalist for the Booker Prize and the Women's Prize for Fiction, a memoir, Priest Daddy, and two poetry collections, Motherland, Fatherland, Homeland Sexuals, and Balloon Pop Outlaw Black. Her writing has appeared in the New Yorker, the New York Times, and the London Review of Books, where she is a contributing editor. She lives in Savannah, Georgia. Thank you both so much for being here this evening. I'm wearing a tiger.
0: Mine is a hedgehog.
2: A hedgehog, okay. We just wanted to acknowledge our looks for the night.
0: <laughs> I was wondering, you, you were gonna wear like a big cottage core dress. But I know, but
2: then I like, it was a lot. It was too much. Hi, um, I think I'm gonna read a little bit.
0: Yes, just a little. Okay, I do want you to read a little bit. But first of all, I just wanted to congratulate you on this the final night of your official tour. Mm -hmm. I was able to read this book in embryo. Um, I feel like I have lived with it for a really long time. And I'm so proud of you and your achievement. And I sat down earlier to take some notes and i read the whole thing again. So I'm very fresh for it. Um, but yes, I would love to hear you read uh, a portion of it, perhaps about a ghost.
2: <laughs> I will. And thank you for all that. And we'll talk a little bit about how, when you were in the throes of COVID, you were still somehow managing to give me advice while I was writing. this.
0: Twice. Book. Yeah. COVID advice. <laughs> all right, proceed. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so I'm just going to read this was for so long. This was the beginning of the book. Like I had, I don't know, I can't remember if you saw that version or not, but there was like, the first chapter was just about how I'd seen a ghost and it was really important to me, really, really important to me and less important to every other person that read the book.
0: (laughs) Nobody else.
2: (laughs) like so crucial to me. So anyway, I'm gonna read it. Um, And this is like comes in halfway uh, through the book. I had wanted to write a ghost story myself ever since I had seen a ghost. This happened on that book tour in 2010 for my third novel, the one with the terrible sales, in Portsmouth at the beginning of the trip. That afternoon I had driven for Brooklyn, bad winter weather chasing me as I drove. I could nearly see the storm behind me. I could sense the electricity of it, a white gray crackling wave of doom. I was to stay at an inn built in the late 1880s, first used as a home, for one family for generations until the 1930s when it was sold and then resold several times after that until the 1950s, it was reportedly used as a halfway house for the mentally ill. A thing I didn't know until I Googled it later. By 1986, it had been turned into an inn. In the hotel, I changed for bed. It might've been 8 p.m. Outside the storm rage, snow crystals fluttering up against the window and then securing themselves against it. I pulled out my laptop. I got under the covers, sitting with my back straight up against the headboard. I typed for a while, and then I felt something in the room with me, a presence just outside of my eyesight. I slowly lifted my gaze, tilting my head upward. In the front of the room, between the television set and that Foot and the foot of the bed, I saw a noose of bloody red roses. From that noose hung a form, a dark form that I knew to be a body, although it was too dim and hazy to be defined precisely, a face in penumbra. I could not identify a specific gender, although I sensed it to be male and perhaps wearing a suit, as the arms and legs hung as if encased in something. It was neither dead nor alive in my mind, although I suppose in a way it was both. It was an otherworldly presence, and it was making itself known to me. I stared at it for probably 10 or 15 seconds. I knew that it was bad, that this was a bad thing in front of me, but I didn't want to stop looking. It was completely new and foreign. A deep curiosity had now been born, even as it was mixed with fear. I told myself repeatedly, don't look at that thing. Don't look at that thing until finally I forced myself to break my stare and shift my head and gaze downward again, centimeter by centimeter. When I looked up a minute later, the presence was gone. How did I sleep the night? I just did. I felt I'd seen something that he'd wanted me to know he was there and then he was gone again. Even if he was floating around the perimeter somewhere, I sensed it would be fine if we shared the same space. We had been introduced, hadn't we? Since that night, I found myself wanting to live in that moment a little longer. I wanted everything to be as weird and different and surprising as that experience had been. I believe in something new, ghosts, the other, the unseen. These are intangible things. They're just possibilities, but those possibilities were thrilling to me. It was the same as dangling my pen over the first blank page of a journal, a whole unknown world. I wanted a life of knowing the unknown. I started to look everywhere for more than what was right in front of me. That's it.
0: So you answer a little bit at the end, um, but yeah, why was it so important for you to include that? And then by extension, um, I would say you also began the book with another ghost. Um, So maybe you can talk a little bit about that and maybe uh, by even more of an extension, the theme of bones and mortality, um, you know, bone cathedrals, catacombs that is is woven throughout. So much,
2: so much stuff. I don't, I mean, I think when I was like in my early 40s, I'm 50 now, um, I like this mortality issue just sort of like hit me like a ton of Brooks. I I, I don't know if you have a mortality issues at all. I'm but-
0: dead now I feel that I am dead I no longer feel alive, so yeah, I don't know if it's an issue it doesn't bother me, but yes i yeah I'm operating as if I'm- oh you're alive you're alive yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: um you're very much alive um yeah, so I think that that was part of it was like I didn't know i think I think really at its core it's about sort of recognizing like what you value in life and like what's you know what's important to you and what brings you joy. I think that sort of like comes out in the in the grand scheme of the book. But also, it's kind of about um, I do go to all these like otherworldly places in the book, right? I go to like estuaries and catacombs and cemeteries and things like that, and um, and I sort of become a little bit more connected with like whatever is going on beneath the surface, right? Um, which I think is like important to understand, like that we we are not the first ones to arrive here. I think sometimes we forget that a little bit um, as we like go on with our lives. So I love all the high from New
0: Hampshire. It's like everyone from New Hampshire is like- New Hampshire is really representing. Well, you do talk about um, uh, John Irving in the book and this scene. So if I'm really reaching, let me know But I'm just grasping for something there.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, um, so I think, I don't know, I just like it really was important to me in the book, like I was like interested in things that are, I'm interested in being really present in this space, but I'm also like, I travel so much. And I think that like it had begun to feel a little superficial for me, all the traveling that I was doing, especially, you know, as you're as a, somebody who's toured a lot, you end up spending a lot of time in hotel rooms. You end up not being like connected with the space, you know, that you're at, you know, that you're visiting. And so I, I think it was about kind of cracking that open a little bit and understanding the world in a different way, which is like whatever, that's every book, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like you're walking on layers a lot in this book. And I would I would say that that's what the experience of that is like. You don't learn normal things when you go to those places. You're not on vacation. You don't relax. You find out really weird stuff. You find out like horrifying things and atrocities and just like strange facts. It's not the, the same sort of thing um, that, that just falls into your lap like like fruit. It's like you're really uh, discovering like the bone structure of a city. Relaxing, is it like it's not like it's all the- not relaxing at all? <laughs> it's sometimes there's a pool, but like you don't get in the pool. Yeah, I do. do I, you get sometimes- in the pool? <laughs> I always check ahead
2: if there's a pool.
0: Now, do you have a, a, a two piece? Do you have a bikini now?
2: I do have a bikini. I I, I, t- I just went and did an event, a festival in Key West, where they very much encourage you to get in the pool. That's yeah. the thing, the events should just be in Florida, because they just really want you to...
0: I have to agree. Yeah. Um, but I sort of linked that, This it, it, that felt like a structure in the book, like walking on the layers of a city, but then it also felt like something you were doing architecturally with the way you put it together. Um, you do your research on the page. You call your parents. You interview people. Um, you write Kristen Arnett to see what her memories were of a particular event. Why did you decide to include those things?
2: Well, um, is, these are great questions, by the way. These are the first time I'm gonna ask these questions because you like literally just read the book. Again. Yeah, just yeah. read. <laughs>
0: um,
2: I think. Um, Yeah, because I was writing, so when I originally thought of this book, I thought I was just gonna like, maybe a little bit of a collection, right? Like I'd written a lot about my life over the years. I'd written a lot of essays that kind of like fit into these neat boxes. You know, when you write for magazines or newspapers, they really want you to like kind of fit a 1200, you know, fit your story into a 1200 word narrative right or like in the tone or the voice of of their magazine too like writing for the new york times magazine is different than writing for vogue you know they're looking for different things they want it to be really specific and so i think that when i took these little pieces that i'd already written about my life and started to apply them to like a bigger text i realized there were all these details that were missing and that it was only a specific truth that i was uncovering at that time i had chosen like a specific path for my story So when I was writing the bigger narrative of a book, and maybe this feels familiar to you because as someone who has written, you know, obviously a memoir, like, it's like, it's different. The way you tell one part of the story is different than how it fits into the whole story. And so I had to go and actually ask these questions. I had to go to say, I had, I wanted to know too. I wanted to know what the bigger truth of the story was. And I didn't, and sometimes I don't trust myself. I don't trust my own memory, my own opinion even if it's my life, I don't necessarily trust my own opinion of
0: my own life. Does that make sense? It totally does, it it does. I I was like very advantaged when I was doing pre-study because I got to get drunk with my parents and that's the sneaky way to get in. You like get your mom drunk, you like slip your dad and Mickey and you get the story that way. But you had to like do this over the phone and over text. So that was a little bit different. Yeah,
2: because it was COVID so it was like really but I had, again, I had written, I I had written about my mother in particular, I'd written about her a bunch of times. Yeah. So those, those texts sort of already existed. And I was like adding to them and I was, and then it became really fascinating because in a lot of chapters, there's multiple essays that I've taken. And there's like, a, even though you wouldn't know it by reading it, like there's a collage effect to the book. Yeah.
0: Right.
2: Like I've taken existing material and I've like chopped it up and it's you know and and the way that i think you can sort of sense it even if you're reading it like in a in a broader way so yeah that i i don't know it was just and i it was actually emotionally healthy for me to ask these questions can i add that to the layer yeah that made me feel better or less alone to have these conversations that we were in the midst of, we, I mean, we still are, but like really, truly in the throes of the pandemic. When I was writing it, it was the beginning, it was, it was 2020, it was March, 2020, when I really was supposed to be starting to work on this book. And I was able to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, here's a, here's an excuse to have a conversation with somebody. Here's, here's something we can talk about. That's not about right now. In fact, here's yeah. something to talk about that was 20 yeah. years ago or 10 years ago, or even two years ago when we were just having a better time. And yeah. that it was, a, it was a really excellent place, a fond place to
0: put myself. I felt that, actually. I wouldn't have characterized it that way, but I did feel something where I thought a little bit wistfully to myself that I had not done it maybe in the correct spirit, or I had not appreciated it, those conversations, for what they were, and that I've had conversations subsequently with my mother and my father that felt more like actual truth seeking as opposed to, you know, things that I could just fill in or here's what I needed to use. Like that you can actually become interested in the story of your life instead of like fear what you might find. So maybe you have to get to a point where, you know, you can be trepidatious, but you can't fear what you're going to find. And maybe when it becomes valuable that, you know, you, you appreciate these people, they're still with you. Maybe that's when you get to that place.
2: I mean, you have to write all of it with fearlessness. You have to like if you make the decision to write a memoir, you have to say I ha- I'm gonna just go full blast on this thing, and whatever happens happens. Like whatever, whatever lesson. No, but really, like whatever lesson I learn about myself is like what I'm gonna learn. It was quite, you know, it was hard. It was painful. It was definitely painful at times. Um, and I remember like reaching out to people and being like, well, when does it stop hurting? And like, like so many people were like, a year after the book comes out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's like when it stops hurting. I mean, not even then. I feel like as long as people still ask you questions about it, it's there's still the potential. Um yeah, there is really, yeah. When did you know that it was going to be a book? Did is it something you wanted to write? How did it come about? I mean, I don't I like I had like a couple of chapters
2: in the book that I was working on that I just didn't know what I was doing with them, but I just kept going back to them the, the a trip to the end of the world, that chapter, I was like, had been circling it for years. It was a very painful moment in my life that I had like 20 years ago, 30, 30 years ago, but I'd been writing it probably for four or five years. And I was really like, what am I gonna do with this? Where is it gonna go? Like, am I gonna sell it? like And I didn't see it going anywhere really. I didn't see it like really fitting in anywhere. And so um, I thought maybe I need to write a book around it so that that story can be heard. I, I think there was also just that thing where I'd written sort of already been in conversation with the Trump era in my fiction, like all this, because I write so fast, right? Like every two years, like all this could be yours. The novel that came before it was like very much in conversation with the moment that was going on, even though it's not like about Trump, but just like kind of documenting that time. And then like, it didn't seem like it was gonna change very much. Like it was just like, we were all sort of like spinning our wheels, like, you know, well, not everyone, no, I think everyone pretty unhappy <laughs> in that era. So <laughs> not happy. Hey, I don't know. Like, even that. like people who are like happy aren't super psyched. So right. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: so um so I like I, I didn't really feel like I could like dive into fiction again. And but I was I've said this before, but it, it's like it always had seemed like a terrible idea to write memoir. And I we talked about this the other day, where like I the first time you and I ever met was I was in your audience at like that bookstore on the Upper West Side. Back when you just go to a bookstore,
0: Right then
2: you know whatever, just care you know carelessly, carefree, go to a bookstore. You're wearing like
0: a motorcycle jacket, you were like, hey, it might have been like tossed over your shoulder. It was the most casual decision possible, and also yes. so cool. It doesn't happen anymore.
2: Yeah, and so you were like, and I asked you if you would write another memoir and you were like, absolutely not. I
0: actually remember my body making a physical helicopter motion. It was like to stop you from even finishing the question. But then, of course, I did it. I just did it fakely as a novel. Um, Do you think that um, memoir
2: is a bad idea, right? Like it's a bad idea until it becomes a good idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, well, the reason I asked if you wanted to do it is because I don't know that any part of my body when I started writing pre really wanted to do that. It was, you know, a, in a state of duress. And um, I think I'm interested in people's experiences when they come to a memoir peacefully or really like um, wanting something welling up in them, having some sense of urgency about writing it. I think for it was a little bit different for you. I think
2: it, I thought that it I have to remember because now it's almost three years ago when I like was because 2019 summer of 2019 was when I was like sitting down, like going through it, like sort of collecting things. I think I thought, gosh, I've been telling these stories for years. I've been talking about myself and writing personal essays for 20 years. Right. My first personal essay probably came out in like 98 or something like that. Is there a reason why I'm not going to put them all together in a book? Is there a reason why I'm I mean, I've you know, I've been I've written about like really dirty things about my life, like sexy, dirty, druggy, like it's all out there. I'm pretty like open about my past because I, you know, there's no point in trying to hide it kind of. And I, and the subject matter of my fiction often was like, you know, these complicated dark characters who did complicated dark things, like lots of fucking in my books, lots. you know, like it's like, so it's not really any, um I didn't think it would be any sort of surprise, but yet I still ended up surprising me when I wrote it. What, I think it was the, the hardest part was figuring out what it was really about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like choosing that path. And I think I thought it was about just my life. And I thought maybe it was like about being a woman. It was, and then really I realized that it was a, just truly about being a writer. And that if I could choose that as like the, the through line of the book, then I could explore who I was. Then I did really need to interview people, right? Right. I really did need to sort of like ask these kinds of questions to people. like Because I knew that asking my dad about being a traveling salesman, right? There's a whole chapter, if you haven't read it yet, there's a whole chapter about, you know, just interviewing my dad about his history in sales and just recognizing that like that actually like has, been a part of my writing career that when you are a writer, where you're like a like uh, making a living at it, right? Like you're publishing books. Like I've published eight books now. You go out and you sell your wares. You sell yourself. You also are online selling yourself. Like there's your mark. You know what I mean? You're like marketing yourself. Like the. Wow. God bless my publisher, and they are really amazing. But when you really think about it, and I think you probably feel the same way, you're out here, you're like your own little marketing department.
0: Oh yeah,
2: and that's, that's what what you
0: like a cow's teeth that was being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed, and then it's like at the very end, and they strip it. That's what I felt like. I felt like I was being stripped, Beautiful. and it was like- you're there originally because you really enjoy it. And then there's something strange about, you know, you change your banner so that it's your book. And then like, it seems like for a while, all you tweet are links to things. And it's like, I think the people who really like me might have muted me by now or like turned off my retweets. So I don't even know if anyone's seeing this. It is a very strange feeling. Like the virtual book tour is, is very different um, than-
2: Yeah. Cause it's all just focused on like, I mean, I did have a couple of moments in person, but it's basically that reminded me that like, there are people out there that are reading books, but it's like so much of it, I think it's the, you know, yes, yeah, so the marketing's really hard. So like interviewing my dad, like, and like understanding like things that he had like talked about over the years, even if it wasn't like a lesson he had told me, but like understanding like where he came from and like that there's something, you know, I don't wanna say that I'm genetically predisposed to being a salesperson, but I do think I, whatever the fuck that would mean, whatever G, you know, but it's like growing up in a household where like you have, and my, my, and my mom, like they had a sewing store too. So like, I'm a child of small business owners. And I believe that we are all small business, you know, we're, we're our own business, right? Our own our own business. Business yeah. of us. So it was like, it was questions that I always wanted to ask him, but I didn't know why I wanted to ask him. And then it became suddenly the right time to ask him those questions and to yeah and myself in a really specific way. I would say at the end of it, I don't think that this was a cathartic experience for me at all. Like I didn't like have that like, wow, I'm this way. Like I knew in a way I like knew like a lot of things, but I would say that it was a little bit freeing that it's now like all been put in one place. Do you know what I mean? like oh I don't actually have to consider that again and i don't have to go through thinking about that again you
0: can refer people to it as well like it's the box on the shelf you can just be like it's over there it's it's like you know shelf B whatever okay so how do you decide what goes in was there anything you really wanted the ghost bit to go in but for a while you didn't know where to put it we were having difficulty working that in we didn't know where we go right that's correct um, yeah.
2: Was anything, let it go. yeah,
0: the ghost couldn't let the ghost go. I mean, that's the nature of a ghost. Um, was there anything that you knew had to go in that you didn't want to write? Oh, I don't know.
2: It was more like I wrote everything. <laughs> I, cut, I cut twenty thousand words out. Ah. Oh. So my, cause my editor had said to me, go long usually. So when I write novels, I like usually just know exactly what it is and what I want it to be. And then I like write it. And then I might add a lo- you know, I'll add a little bit in the edits, but like, I understand what the form is before I start. And in this instance, I didn't know what the form was going to be or how, or what to do with it. I just knew that I knew all the things that had happened that were like, I wanted to like put down on paper.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I started cut things out. I cut out like things where I was like, really bad <laughs> because it was like i was so bad that like it didn't it didn't matter like i there were there were enough bad things in it that i like don't think anyone gets the sense that i was an angel from reading this book and i think that um the things that i was confessing would end up just hurting somebody else
0: Yes. And there's really a line there where it's like, you don't need to, yeah. are you doing that for yourself? I mean, and then sometimes it is for catharsis, the really bad stuff that it doesn't make a difference, whether it's in there or not. It's like, I've clearly from this answer, like committed a murder, it's becoming clear that there's like back there, there's a skeleton in my closet, but like, that doesn't necessarily need to go in. That's for you. That's like your big confession that you make your big splash. Yeah. Of confession.
2: It it was doesn't something like affairs that I'd had. Yeah, people didn't know that I'd had. Um I didn't murder anyone. I, no one. I, I know I know you time. have. Yeah, I've killed I've killed in my day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's actually like a former CIA agent. Um <laughs> I would not believe it. I could see you just secretly very quietly being
0: because I seem like I don't know anything. We have talked about this. Whenever Jason and I watch spy shows, sometimes I float like I could do that because no one would believe it and that he will agree on those grounds. He's like, Well, no one would believe it. <laughs> That's the <laughs> best. <laughs> look good in a CIA agent lady suit. Like, well, like a trench coat or like one of the little. Yeah. I, I don't like know. You <laughs> like... <laughs> kind of got a CIA lady haircut. It could be. Yeah. A CIA lady... I feel I- like it could be like you could be a Carmen Sandiego going around the world. <laughs> It would be so beautiful for you. <laughs> the Carmen, yes, Attenberg. Um, yeah, oh, traveling around. I mean, it's such like a well-traveled book. And yet there are parts where you go into the interior. And I, I talked about that on my first read. Like, I really just enjoy when you talk about sitting down with a cup of coffee and writing in your notebook, making sure those small sensual details go in. Because I think a lot of times people who are reading a writer's memoir, they want those things.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I think my editor sort of forced me to put more writerly stuff in. We like went back and forth. It was like the writerly stuff I was putting in. She was like, it's too inside baseball. And so then I and so I took some out, but it, she, you know, I'm shaking my head. I'm like,
0: Helen. <laughs> How dare you like you it's should never write too inside baseball. What? It's never too inside baseball.
2: Well, I mean, I'm more than happy to share information. I think it was like there was this thing that was going on where I was like writing the book. And then I was writing this newsletter, which feels so weird to say out loud, but I was writing, I was doing some writing of the book in the newsletter the entire time and thinking that these things aren't important. And I was sending these letters out to people for like, you know, a year and like just about the process and whatever. And my editor was like, she was smart. She recognized that actually I was writing, I was writing a a little bit of the book in this way. And she was, and so we had this like, even though I didn't necessarily agree with the way that what she exactly wanted me to do, eventually she said, you just need to put some of that vibe into the book. And that's what I, and that's what I did. So, and I do, I do think people are connecting with those things and those feelings that I have about writing. I mean, all these things go into being a writer. It's never just like, and then I sat down and like wrote uh, in my notebook and typed it up. It's like, it's also like, and my Parents are part of me too. And like going out on tour is really hard. And like looking at your fucking face in the mirror <laughs> is sometimes really hard. And like, you know, all of these things like go into like being you and being a writer and all, yeah, all of that. So, but I like yes, really, really encouraged me to
0: like be a little, be in that moment a little bit more. I do think I, I think that that is useful advice that sometimes you have to trick yourself into writing a little bit of something over here that you're barely even looking at. Um, it's not necessarily going to go in, but it's sometimes an approach or is sometimes just you loosening up your voice a little bit, mm-hmm. because you can get like constricted when you're when you sat down to write the real thing, you can get a little bit constipated with it. So sometimes you need to be like be pooping loosely. Yes, <laughs>
2: pooping loosely. <laughs> so-
0: over that there.
2: It. That's my writer's <laughs> rock from the 80s. Nice job, Trisha. Um, when, you, when you did it, when you, when you were writing your, <laughs> when you were writing your memoir, did you do that? Did you have like a little side piece? Yeah, I had
0: all, well I didn't have a newsletter, but I had all these garbage files that I was just um mm. Mm. I was, like, really letting go, and I was also trying to figure out a way to, um, like, shake up my idea of what uh, an autobiography should sound like. I mean, I had released two books of poetry. That doesn't prepare you for writing, like, a 350-page-long memoir. That's too long, like, and there's too much stuff in it. And I had, idea, you know, uh, there's some spaces in there, but I I had an idea of how it should sound. And I also knew that my personality had like nothing to do with how I thought it should sound. So you have to learn to inject your voice in some way sometimes, or like loosen it up. I don't think that you would have as much of a problem with that, but sometimes it is a matter of just like tricking yourself a little bit over here so that you can figure out some stuff. It's like dreaming. It's like your subconscious is working something
2: out. I'm pretty, yeah, I I think I'm pretty voicey. Like yeah. I'm really like, I, I'm comfortable with like the idea that I'm gonna like entertain people. Yes. So, in fact, the, sure? what I'm not comfortable with is like, when I'm like, have to be like smart, right? Like when I sort of have to like dial it back and like have like ideas, things like that. Like that's like, I'm like, do I, I'm just really used to like going for the voice and going for like the, um, having people eat like a nice meal. Like, why why do you think that is?
0: Obviously, you're, you're hyper intelligent. Uh, So, so why do you think? I don't know, because I just,
2: it entertains me, probably. It entertains me, but also, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty, it seems, it actually seems like it's a bigger challenge in a way to make something, make like a higher art out of like, These things that feel sort of like easy or accessible. Yeah, it
0: absolutely, absolutely does because I mean, people look at humor that way, Um, but the people who write it are like, no, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard. Like it could be harder maybe because you know it's 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 got the turn and it is um, in a way for other people, whereas sometimes like self seriousness can be for you. If I'm in my own head a lot, that's for me. That's not for other people. So you are, you're making a meal, you're setting something out for people. It's different.
2: I'm just like anti like snobbery. Um, like, Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think everything should be like accessible and available. And I and I find all those things sexy and interesting. And like, I don't really like love sitting around talking about like, super intellectual things i like (laughs) i like sitting around talking about like like dirty funny yeah accessible sexy you know what i mean like i just think it's like all it's all about like the little gritty details but then so like when you write a memoir like it's not just like story after It can't just be story after story, it can be, but like, you've got to back it up a little bit. And so I think it was, I don't feel uncomfortable with it, but I'm like, I just sort of have to circle it a little bit. Like the other stuff is like easier, easier for me because it's instinctual. Yeah. Um, is like less instinctual for me.
0: I think it feels like when you're reading it, you're like, oh, this is like a whole person wrote it. Sometimes you read a memoir, and you're like, this person's left pinky wrote this, you know, like this very small, uh, twisted part of them, like it came through that conduit. But you do, it's not that you write loosely, because obviously your your, diction is very careful. Um, But there is a sense of like, I don't know, it's it's not even comfort necessarily, but like a welcome um, and a permeability maybe, like you can get into the text. Thanks. Thank you. That's nice. You to I like that I'm like thinking through it as I go. I'm like, I know there's an English word. Yes you're, yes, you're writing too. Like
2: you want people to come in. You don't want to push people away. I mean, I there's some there's a real value to like, rock things, right? Like yeah. you have to sort of admire things. It's like gothic, art, whatever. Like you're like, oh, it's like intertwined, and it's they they're like sitting there spinning. You know, they're spinning their wheels on this, and it's like clearly they spent a lot of time on it. It's just not to my taste. My taste is like, get in there, let's all be in there together, right? And like, whatever you take away from it is whatever you take away from it. I've been like, you know, vaguely aware of like reviews or like what people are saying online. And it's like, some people are like, oh, we don't like her, but we like also, but we like the writing of it. And I'm like, I'll take that. Like that's <laughs> weird. Like, fucking like me. It's okay. I'm like, just like, why? You don't, I mean, I'm not easy. And you know, like, I, I have my I'm, I'm, I'm idiosyncratic. I'm particular kind of person. But like, if you think the writing is good, that's kind of good. I'll take
0: that. But I think that also means knowing you that they probably would like you if they knew. You. Do you read reviews? Do you like look? Do you hunt online? Do you I, the first do you one read, that,
2: I read the like really bad one. My really bad first one because I'm always interested to he- see sort of like the early ones. You're like, okay, what's the narrative about my book? Like, what are they going to think
0: about? Yeah, something shaped me first- up. You can feel it yeah. in the way. The
2: very first one was so mean. And then, but then what happened was there was a hurricane here. And so then I had to flee. And there was like all this bad stuff that happened, like to get, you know, get into the city. And the city is like, you know, been, I'm in New Orleans, if you don't know, and like struggling to recover. And so the thing that makes you forget a bad review is a hurricane. A hurricane. That's <laughs> the prescription. It's a hurricane. Yeah. Oh. So I didn't read any of the stuff in between. I sort of like would, you know, I would get a general idea. You know, you see the headline. Yeah. My my publicist or my editor would send me like a poll quote or whatever. So I sort of had the general idea of like how the book's being reviewed, but you know, you could still just sort of get and I you get an idea, right? Like if you're on the internet long enough you like see a thing here or there, or whatever. So I don't know. It's, it does. I, the one thing I know is like a review has never like altered my writing in any way.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's the important thing to remember because sometimes something will just get in my head. Oh, hello.
1: (laughs) Are we, yes, we, yeah, we're good on time. We do have some questions rolling in, but lovely viewers, Jamie and uh, Trisha have a Surprise for us do oh picks.
0: yes yeah we're gonna read each other's tarot um so we're gonna draw three she's gonna draw three cards for me i'm going to draw three stones for her this is a tarot of little pretty stones i had that i built one morning after i had taken mushrooms and then it uh, arrived in my head fully formed so should we agree on the question should it be like um should we ask about our new work, how to proceed with our new work, something I like wanna, that. i want to throw it
2: out there that the first person who goes into the questions that says, I want you to give me a tarot reading, we'll pull a card for you.
0: Yeah, we'll do that. So go
2: to the question and just say, me. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, all right, let's do it. <laughs> no one wants it, look, they're scared. <laughs>
1: it's not new. I'm keeping tabs on it, so okay. I'll let you know if someone comes right. in.
2: Okay, right, so we'll pull three for you now. Okay, you go first, yeah. And this is about our new, work
0: yeah how to proceed with it yeah general feelings general vibes
2: okay we're gonna do three cards past present as this one really wants to be picked <laughs> oh it's good is it good oh i don't know about that one <laughs> so, trisha knows more than i do so she can like i would take some time for me to look it all up so but it's
0: also your deck you get to do whatever you want
2: okay well we'll do first this is past knight of cups
0: okay so that's Yes, there's there's emotion, there's uh beginnings, it's a it's a riderly uh suit because he's on a horse. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean Jamie?
2: Well, I like it, Jamie? I think he's very handsome. He's hot. He very yeah. he's got good posture. What do you think he's like on his way to do? Um he's on his way to deliver the cup to his lady. He's delivering the cup to me. Okay. yeah. So this is Patsy. Yeah. Very that's good past. And abundant. Okay. This is your present. Is it like know.
0: the worst card? What, what is it? Is it? It's, for, it's four of. The top of my head? I don't know. It's like pentacles are, are a money suit, and that looks like a little emperor. It's very hard to know what that means. I think it means hail Satan. OK, it means hail Satan, and that I'm comfortable with that. I'm That's- very, very comfortable with hail Satan for my present card. OK, then we have a nine of wands. Huh. And Enjoy. I don't know if that's the one where he's trapped in the wands where he's like in a forest of creativity and he can't get out. He doesn't look like he's having a good time, but it's you so know, mean. I'm very, I, like, so <laughs> 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 I feel comfortable with that because basically like right before you finish a book, any book, you do feel that way. Like you have written yourself into. Do it. I you have to write yourself out. Can somebody do a screen grab?
2: Thank you and post it for us later. I'll pay you.
0: Yeah. I'll pay you all. all right, I'm going I'm to do yours. Just remember what those were. Oh my God. Okay, that's the past. Well, then I'm burning some sage. Sage, I forgot to do this. Yeah. Fun. This is a good one. All right. So, this is the most, can everyone see it? This is the most mysterious stone in my whole deck. This is called the exchange. And it is the thing that passes between this world and the next world that allows you to be alive for a short time on earth. So it's the most profound, most mysterious card that we have access to here. It was actually the first uh, one that I chose. I was in um, Scotland after my niece had died and I picked this up in a river when I was hiking with my sister and my mom, and I brought it back to remind me of her. And I knew that it was, it's just the thing that means life, the thing that means that you are going to be born and the meaning in that. So this is like very wonderful and very auspicious for the card of your past. It means that, you know, you 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 did this, like that that you had this Originating idea that, that came out of something that was you at your very essence. It's it's as beautiful as it can be.
2: Wow! Um, Thank you for sharing that story.
0: You're Thank very very welcome. Really I, can more, I can tell you more about it later too. Um, and I can I can post it. This. So this is like a fossilized, I think, uh, shell. Or it's agatized. So um, it started as a regular shell and then uh, it was replaced by agate. So it's really cool. You can see through it. And this is the inner spiral. This means that right now you need solitude and you need time alone. <laughs> you need to rest and you need to retreat and you just need to go up into that place mm-hmm. uh, where you feel wholeness, um, where you feel safe inside yourself and, and where you feel complete and where you feel whole, but still not closed, transparent, right? Okay. And then the future is very exciting. It's the journey. So you are going to get out into the world again. All of us are going to get out into the world again. This is a lovely piece of ocean jasper. It's actually a bead and just the line of it sweeping across the stone makes me think of, of that path. And so this is very, very auspicious for you. It is um, a proud reading. The stones feel proud of you. Are you gonna make me cry? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really good at reading tarot. <laughs> but also I made up what everything meant too. Not not just now, but like when I, after I'd had my mushrooms and I picked up all the stones, you know, it's not like I put a bunch of things in my deck that were like, you know, the the hair shirt and the thorns. Things like that. Maybe they were a little more positive. (laughs) And so in the end, it it leads to a more profound reading.
2: I mean, I still I mean, you know what, you're just a fucking poet and there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Now, you could have been too. We'll talk about that another time. That was the beginning. And maybe in the end, you shall be pragmatic. Yeah, maybe. Uh Maybe maybe the salesman thing. Maybe.
1: Yeah. um, So we had uh, well, we, and then, uh, Rachel Mullins in the chat was the oh. first one to jump in for right. well, reading. Okay. Well, well, Jamie, do you have your
0: questions. questions?
2: We'll never know. Oh, look at the kitty. Yeah. It's cute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is why I couldn't wear. Oh, Okay. So I have a good one for Rachel. Judgment. Judgment.
1: Judgment. Well,
0: it's just like in the absence of anything else, I mean, it, it could be anything. Um, it can be discernment. Um, it can mean like sudden revelation, understanding there can be obviously the more <laughs> pejorative meanings that a judgment will be visited upon you for the murders you've committed um, and, and there's, there's little butts. butts, there's little butts little and butts. a uh, little trumpet. And there's the Swiss flag. I'm pretty sure.
2: I think it feels like it's a
0: moment yeah. that is about to happen. That's, That's good see now if you tell Tara you do have to you don't adjust necessarily but you can't always be like you know this is this is the devil and this is what this means you do have to like read nuance into things so this is the runes can you see that okay and this is the story of your life laid out Um, so it's, it's also very pertinent to Jamie's reading. It's, I mean, we have the materials, we have our experiences, something overlays a meaning onto that. Um, and that is something I think that we provide.
2: I have an idea. I feel like we
0: can, I'm feeling like it's like a 1-800 hotline (laughs) with you and me Yeah, reading people. We should do that like, um, once a month and people call in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like $3.99 a minute. It's (laughs) so much more expensive.
2: (laughs) Okay. All right. What are the questions? We're ready. Okay.
1: So our first one here is, did any other memoirs help you shape yours? For a question for both of you and what are some of your favorite memoirs?
2: Okay. So I'll answer first. Um, I, I wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago, I think it came out in 2000 and 2017, um, called All Grown Up. And um, I wanted it to have a memoiristic feel. So I actually read a bunch of memoirs then. So I read like um, Eileen Miles's Chelsea Girls, which is not, it's like auto bio fiction, but sometimes get built gets billed as memoir. Um, and I remember reading um, Heidi Jolovitz's The Painted, yeah. And then um, Painted Clock. The Painted Folded Clock. Folded and then clock. Um, Maggie Nelson, like right around then blueettes had come out or just yeah. before then. I think like 2015 or 14 or something like that. So there was like a bunch of memoir reading that I was doing at the time because I wanted to like have an understanding of like how people like talked about themselves, but like did it in really unconventional ways. Like I loved Eileen's book because it was just like stories about their life. Like that felt right to me, that felt really really good to me. And then like more con- in a more contemporary way, when I was writing it, meaning like five years later, but whatever, like I was reading like Casey Lehman's Heavy, which I thought was brilliant. And like, like willing, his willingness to like, you know, spill it all like you know, it just meant a lot to me like that book meant a lot to me. Um, Roxanne's work, um, Melissa Febos' work, stuff like that, like I was just like, and, and then a lot of poetry too. Because I feel like you can read a book of poetry and you've read a memoir. So.
0: Have you read a uh, Tova Ditlevson's Copenhagen trilogy, Jamie? No, but I know you love it. You really have to. So it's like the first two books are normal. And then the third one is just like, woo. It just is like goes uh, off the train tracks into the side of a mountain. So you really, really like okay. that is for everyone. Everyone should read this books. But yes. Um, so. Mine was interesting because I knew it was going to be a humorous memoir, which is kind of a different animal. Oh, and I, I will say, Jamie, that when I was rereading it earlier, I had also just reread Inferno. And I thought, does this sound like Eileen? Like Eileen, I was like, I feel like there were some um, punctuating, like short sentences that sometimes came after a longer one that really felt like Eileen to me. I mean, and
2: Eileen
0: an, just doesn't give a fuck. I love it. It's I it's true. It. It's true. Um, And I like, I never would have thought that before, but it came through um, in a very in a in a beautiful way. Yeah, so that was really cool. But so I had read, of course, uh, people like David Sedaris provided like a comic model. Even people sort of like Haven uh, Kimmel, Kimmel. Um, oh yeah who wrote um, a girl named Zippy and she got up off the couch. And that was sort of like a, a Midwestern thing that I could look to and also a religious model because she was religious and you don't see that as much in memoirs. Um, I hadn't read extensively in the form. I do remember <laughs> that when I was like, it was time to turn pre-steady in, I read through it and decided that my adjectives weren't beautiful enough and so I specifically I this feeling. No, I know this feeling. Or like, why are there any? Well, I know. And I was like, oh my god. Uh, so of course I got one of my old standbys, my uh, favorite, uh, speak memory out. And I just went through and I like stole things and I just put them here and there. And I was like, no one will ever <laughs> know that I stole adjectives specifically from Nabokov. And then there were people like I had read Maya Angelou's uh, autobiographies like a billion times, and I was like, I there's there. I wasn't able to use them as a model because it seemed like a life that stood for a lot of other lives and a life that really encapsulated an age. And I wasn't able to feel that about myself. I regret that because hers were probably the ones that I had read the most. Um, and I wasn't able, I felt, to like use <laughs> well,
2: We absorb all of it. It's all there. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. The important thing is like, read everything. Like that's yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, you're good at read. You're a really good reader. You read like all day.
0: I do read all day, but Jamie, I only started to read normally like at Thanksgiving. Do you like was we've talked about this like past two years? I have not like been reading normally at all, and then it did come back, and I was like, oh my god, what have I been doing? I was reading for like five hours a day, but it was like I was you know pulling a plow or something, and it comes back, and it's just incredible.
2: I'm only reading like an hour or so a day. Like I'm reading. Good though. Sometimes. What I was reading this morning was Giovanni's Room. I haven't read that yet. Well, you should read it. I should do yeah, it it's soon. It's so short and it's like, I know I feel like you tackle big things. Like you always have these really big reading projects, but like that it's it's just such a short, perfect little book. And it was like really instructional for me Sorry, we're to- totally not answering the question. it's no, fine. We're talking about books. <laughs> <laughs> it's special for me because it's like, it has little twists and turns. And I think when you're writing a novel, it's good to read. You could read like a really big book that has lots of twists and turns, but also you can read like a perfect little novel or memoir or whatever. And just yeah. like notice how they like twisted just enough to like keep you going. It's like important. So like all the memoirs we read, maybe there was something about the storytelling too. like.
0: Yeah, I'll read that next. We're sorry. Yes, we'll answer the next
1: question. No, you're fine. Okay, next one. There are several moments in I Came All This Way to Meet You where you write about food with real enjoyment. As a woman, do you hesitate to write about appetite or hunger? Or is there anything that feels transgressive when you do?
2: Oh, that's an interesting question, Melanie. Um, I... um, no do i feel weird about writing about hunger no because it's like it just makes me feel it's just like such a familiar feeling like i'm just hungry all day like i wake up in the morning and i just think about the thing that i'm gonna eat right and i think about the thing that i need to write and like i think it's like really about like like wrangling your hunger in the right direction but like I'm just, I've always been hungry. I I don't know if it's like, I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's like the family that I grew up in or something like that. But like I'm always been like, it's just normal to think about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna do or like how you're gonna fill yourself or how you're gonna fill your desires or your need or your needs. Perhaps it is transgressive. Perhaps you're not supposed to admit that. But I just know that I I don't have any choice but to try and and fill fulfill my desires. I don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad.
0: Do you (laughs) have a family vacation where your family just like only seems like goes from one meal to the next? Like it's like all meals that just sort of like expand to fill the day. My family does that. My husband thinks it's totally
2: insane. (laughs) You don't understand. My family is coming. My brother and his wife and my niece and then some other family members are coming in like a week and a half. And I've had 50 conversations about where we're going to eat. Okay. That's normal. And I love it. And I'm like, Let's talk about it. Let's figure out what you're going to want. What kind of nuance, what, do you, what vibe, what do you want to like? It's just like a it's a great pastime. I, I can't tell if it's just like a contemporary American pastime or Western civilization pastime to like think about where you're going to eat and like where you're going to like the dining out kind of thing. But like, I don't sometimes I'm like, oh, is it just am I so capitalist and American and whatever? And then I'm like, or or fuck it, like, let's just talk to <laughs> Like sometimes, can I just enjoy stuff without like
0: well established? Yeah, and like the talking is part of the eating, the conversation is part of it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. no, I like I don't mind it if we like, but I also like, can we just decide already?
0: Yeah, that <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, yeah. So, no, it's not transgressive, I don't think it's fun.
1: <laughs> okay, so earlier you mentioned uh, some things that you were asked to take out of your book because they were to writer inside baseball. And someone asked what is something that would be considered to writer inside baseball or some of those things. It was like, um, the moment
2: leading up to like selling my book, there was some stuff that like, nobody really cared about or like how much, I mean, I would tell you how much money I got for books and things like that. Or like, you know, kind of book deal kind of stuff, I think, like, people do care about, but maybe they care more about it on Twitter than they would in, like, you know, this piece of art memoir that I'm writing. Um, so I think it was kind of that's that, that kind of stuff, like, really, like, nitty-gritty kind of details that if you would like to ask me at a later date, I will share with you. But, like, not, maybe not as, maybe didn't, like, make, make the story flow, but I thought it was interesting, but not, not for that book.
0: I, I, I wrote a diary of my book deal back when I got the pre-study book deal and it was very, very granular. I went into like basically what my sweat smelled like um, on the particular days so that I like had to have these conference calls and stuff. And I'm really glad that I kept it. Like if there had been something like that, talking about like what your sweat was like on the day that you, that you get this big, you know, like book deal. Cause any book deal at that point feels big. Like it feels absolutely huge to you.
2: It does feel huge. But it was like the way that it is now in the book, which I forgot that I changed it was like, when I got my first book deal, I was like flying in from France and I like got trapped in this airport and there was like this long thing about being trapped in the airport and they wouldn't let us off the plane. And the book that I was reading on the plane and the people that were on the plane, and then I got off the plane and they put us on a bus to New York and everybody on the bus was French and they were like coming in for like a, like a, like an international, like optometrist, optometrist convention at Javits Center. And now it's like in the book, it's like, I sat next to an optometrist on a bus.
0: I can't believe that was cut down. That is when I live for French <laughs> <laughs>
2: But it was like really, like that was kind of an inside base. Like, like, this is kind of like nobody, nobody cares their French on the bus. It was true.
0: I care. I strongly care. I
2: think you might have read a version of it where they were still friends. I think I did.
0: But also just remember that period where it's like, that's the thing you're thinking about. And it's like, you want every scrap of information that you can find about this process. And yeah, I think there's something to be said.
2: And I do. And I feel like I do do a lot of that. Like, and maybe it's like in the newsletter or maybe it's on social media or maybe it's in conversations with people. And so it's about figuring out like the right place to put it. And like, You know, what eventually is going to, you know, what the final piece of art is, what the experience is for the reader. Like, is that accessible? Are some things accessible to people who are aspiring writers, but maybe aren't aspiring writers, but are just like, oh, I just want to read this book. Like, yeah. do I have to get weighed <laughs> down with all these, like, little, you're smiling over there, so you know, like, it's <laughs> maybe not so interesting, right? But,
1: well, I mean, it depends, but I, I similarly to Trisha, am a process person mm. and I love, I love that nitty gritty.
0: I know that's, that's, I that's, that's what, what Law and Order SVU was. <laughs> that is uh, what I would
2: watch. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> the writing deal. Publishing, publishing. <laughs> no, nobody wants that. <laughs> you nobody wants that. That. Nobody you <laughs> Younger is, but then if you watch younger, it's like maybe
0: loosely over there is going to be only comprised of such anecdotes and information.
1: Well, and I've got I've got one last question here that okay. I think you can both uh you can both give us all some great advice on. What advice would you give writers who are approaching a memoir?
2: Go back. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just think it's like, this is very cheesy, my very cheesy advice, but it is something that I have said to people before. And I think it's, it was important to me. I would definitely like spend some time, like interrogating your intentions behind it. Like, why are you writing this? What do you, you know, what, how are you like rest who are you wrestling with? Like, are you trying to like take somebody down or are you just trying to understand yourself? are you reporting like a personal history or are you like, I'm really mad and I want to, you know, I just think it's like, what do you want to put out in the world and um, and then and then make sure you want to spend time with that version of yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good point because yeah, it, it can be a rough slog. Like you didn't take quite as long, but I took like four years. That is a long time to live with uh, the part of yourself that lived with her parents for this many years, you know, like do, uh, you know, consider whether you are ready, um, to, to dwell in those spaces again, um, consider what would happen afterwards, uh, because you will be asked about those things. And I know Jamie and I talked a lot about how there was a a sense that you will be asked different kinds of questions that people will feel even more access to your body and your past than they already did consider those things. But you know, when it comes down to it, you just are are fighting it out with yourself. And I think that what Jamie did is, is what would be my advice? Seek information. um, Because sometimes information, having more information about something could free you from things that are painful. Maybe it wasn't the way it looked at the time. Maybe people's intentions become clearer. Um, Yeah, seek information because you know, someone's going to write your biography someday. Um, and you might as well get to some of those things first, um, and have like first, first date, prior claim.
2: And I will add one more thing, which is that I remember, which was from like Samantha Irby who said, I was like, what piece of advice would you give me? And she was like, just remember that the cashier at your grocery store could read your memoir. So don't put anything in it that you would feel uncomfortable. Like interacting with that person, where they would like know it about you, like understand that literally anyone in your life, in your world, could read the thing that you're putting out there in the world. Not to put fear in your heart, but just like know that, just just be like, am I comfortable with this? Yeah, I feel all right. <laughs> the end.
1: how about you? Yeah. Well, Jamie feels good knowing that everyone who has joined us tonight either has their copy of this book and has read it yes. and knows her life, or if they haven't already, they can grab one by clicking the big shiny green button at the bottom of your screen to get your copy from Skylight Books. Yeah, Trisha's too, because that shit is good. Yes, get that girly.
0: Order this one.
1: <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Order both of them. We have them both um yeah as a former catholic schoolgirl, i'm also a, a <laughs> fan of look like, not to be oh i like, know no. little bit, look like,
0: who, look who then that. went
1: and rebelled like yeah <laughs> no um but thank you both so so much for joining us tonight it was such a pleasure to have you thank you for making skylight the last stop on your virtual tour jamie thanks for having
2: um, me love you guys yes
1: and we Hope to see you both in store hopefully very soon and all of our lovely viewers as well.
0: Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy and we hope to see you back in our store soon.